Welcome to Don't IEP Alone, the only podcast dedicated to helping parents navigate the IEP process and hosted by a special education advocate. Your host has been attending IEP meetings for over a decade and has helped thousands of parents go from an IEP rookie to an IEP all-star. Be prepared to learn tips that will be a total game changer for you as a parent advocate and most importantly, your child's outcomes. Partnered with the award-winning Lock a Day in Our Shoes, you'll be confident, knowledgeable, and actually looking forward to your next IEP meeting. Don't IEP alone. Get ready. Here's your host, from suburban Philadelphia, Lisa Leitner. Hey, good morning, everyone. Um, thanks for listening. This is Lisa with A Day in Our Shoes, Don't IEP Alone. Um Today, it is just me, unfortunately. I'm sorry. I hope you enjoyed last week's podcasts. I thought they turned out really well. Even though you can, of course, you can, you can tell that Jennifer's on a phone, but, um, you know, I thought that she was able to hear her and understand what she was saying to the extent that you needed to. And um, I thought there was some really great content there, and I hope that parents found it valuable. Definitely looking into more of this in the future. And I did send out an email if you're on my email list, um, inviting you, if you have something that you'd like to share for parents, um, I'm doing interviews for the podcast. I think that overall it went much better with two people than just me listening to me all the time. Um, also last week I went to Harrisburg. It was a last minute thing, which I won't get into it too much as far as how the trip came about. But, um, it's a little unfortunate, I think, that there are hearings and forums and things being held that on the surface, it, it seems like they're inviting parent participation. However, when you announce such a meeting that is going to take place on a Tuesday morning and you announce it on a Friday afternoon, um, especially since government offices are closed on weekends, that's that's, um, I don't know what the word is. It seems to me that it's being done on purpose because there are a lot of hearings like the ones I went to on Tuesday that are being announced, you know, a mere 24, 48 hours ahead of time. And, you know, they say that they welcome parents and advocates and all that and all their stakeholders, but at the same time, they really don't because the average parent can't drop what they're doing and show up in that amount of time. But, I can. Um, very fortunate. My mother-in-law lives close by, and as long as she's open for the day to get Kevin off the bus, I am good to go. So I went. This was a hearing for uh, education reform in Pennsylvania. This was a state thing. But I wanted to share with you my testimony just so that you can understand the types of things that are said at these hearings. Um, this is the third time the third or fourth. I think this is, this is the fourth time I've participated in one. This is the third time that I did not, I mean, the first three times I presented the testimony like in person at the hearing this week or last week, whatever. Um, I was invited to submit written, written testimony. I was not invited to present it live at the hearing, but my friend, and fellow advocate Susan did. So I went with her for moral support and to help her and everything. And, um, 
anyway, I was still, you know, written testimonies, written testimony. Um, I do have a blog post about this that went live today and I have the link to the video. If you would like to watch all three hours of the written testimony or the all three hours of the testimony, it's not written. It was a live hearing. Um, but you know, I'm always encouraging more parents and advocates to get involved in lobbying. We need this. We need more of us to, to do this and get involved. And I, I don't want you to be intimidated because if I can do this, anyone can. I mean it. I hate public speaking, believe it or not. And if I can do this, you can. To give you a bit of background, when I first got involved in lobbying, we were doing this special education funding reform. It's a mouthful, but that's what we were doing. Um, and as a result, Pennsylvania developed three tiers of funding, tier one, two, and three. Um, and they were a child's state funding on special ed, or as far as special ed, is based on their level of needs rather than just a flat rate, which it had just been a flat rate. So then some kids like mine weren't receiving enough funding and other kids were receiving too much, but in the end it didn't, it really didn't balance out. So anyway, so we have these three tiers. However, the charter schools in our state are not held accountable to the tiers, which I'm going to get to in a minute when I, when I share my testimony with you. But anyway, that's the background. Um, I was invited to visit, meet the governor at the time in 2013 and watch the signing of this legislation because we had worked so hard on it. Anyway, that's the background. So I was just going to share with you my testimony today, and I'm going to begin right now. More than six years ago, I sat in the William Tennant High School Auditorium in Bucks County with my kids, then Governor Corbett, and many of you who are here today. We were celebrating the passage and signing of the special education funding reform. So it's very frustrating and disappointing for me to have to ask the committee for the same things we've been asking for for over a decade. My name is Lisa Leitner, and I am still an award-winning special education advocate who lives with her family in Avondale, Chester County. I consult with and guide families whose kids are struggling in school with or without IEPs, and I help parents learn the IEP process. For three years, I chaired the Chester County Right to Education Task Force. I have previously served as a Bureau of Special Ed Compliance Monitor. I have served as a director on numerous boards for disability and education-related organizations, and I'm currently serving on the Devereaux Advanced Behavioral Health Family Advisory Board and the Parent Advisory Committee for Education Voters, PA. As the committee is aware, both public schools and charter schools are bound to IDEA and Pennsylvania Special Education Regulations. It doesn't make sense to hold both groups accountable to these laws, but only one must follow the funding formula that was drawn up by the commission. Not only do charter schools not have to follow the funding formula for special education, the commission was actually legally prohibited from even discussing application of the new formula to charter schools. I can tell you with both data and anecdotes, funding is everything when it comes to special ed. Pennsylvania's special ed costs have, ridden, have risen almost 30% in recent years, while state funding has increased a mere 4%. In 2008, the state picked up about 32% of the cost of a special education student. 
11 years later, the state's share is 23%. I'd like to speak to some of the personal factors that families struggle with in dealing with IEP issues. Our kids are not welcome anywhere but the public schools. Yes, the laws say they are welcome in charters, and I'll get to that in a moment. But due to the expenses associated with our kids and the lack of funds available, IEP parents often have quite unfriendly relationships with their neighborhood schools. Parents recognize needs in their kids, and they ask the schools for help. Then they are repeatedly lied to that their child does not need such services, or they are stonewalled and told no repeatedly until they either back down, homeschool, or try to get into a charter. So, the families who need to rely on public schools the most often have the most contentious relationships with their districts. This brings me to special education and charter schools. It would make sense that a parent who is unhappy with her child's ed education in her neighborhood school, as IEP parents often are, that they would be seeking the opportunities promised by charter schools on the Pennsylvania Department of Ed's own website, such as improved pupil learning and increased learning opportunities. Statistically, we know that isn't happening. Statewide, the traditional public schools are still educating 92 to 93% of all children with IEPs. Charter school personnel either play by their own set of rules or are terribly uninformed when it comes to their responsibility in providing special ed. I have met many parents who are outright told, we cannot meet your child's needs here. You need to go back to the district. Charter schools like Mastery, who do provide a significant amount of special education, are not the norm. Unfortunately for parents, they are the police officers when it comes to IDEA, and parents are the only measure of whether an IEP is satisfactory. If a parent does not file due process, which is expensive and time-consuming, it is assumed that the IEP and IEP compliance is adequate. I can tell you with 100% certainty that is not true. Many times, a charter will advertise that they welcome IEP students, but again, data and parents tell a different story. Charter schools in Pennsylvania have a very disproportionately high rate of Tier 1 students as compared to the traditional public schools. And why not? They're receiving full funding since they don't have to follow the formula. However, once a child starts to trend toward needing more supports and services, the climate at the charter school often changes. If they aren't outright told to return to the district, they are just invited to return in not-so-subtle ways. Teacher, teachers and administrators will start to be not just unfriendly, but downright hostile toward the student, the siblings, and their parents. At best, children are excluded from activities. At worst, they are repeatedly suspended and sometimes even expelled for even the most minor of behaviors. In other words, they will be bullied into returning to their home district. The data is clear. Not only do some charters have an IEP student rate of 3 to 4% when our state average is above 15%, but they have a disproportionately high rate of Tier 1 students. Students from Tiers 3A and 3B are all but non-existent in the charter school world. The two most common IEP qualifying disabilities in charter schools are SLD and SLI. Those are speech and language and specific learning disability, making up almost 60% of the IEP population in charter schools. These are also the categories with the lowest per pupil expenditures. Not only does the, that charter school receive more money than what the state's commission thought was an appropriate amount, 
It puts an undue burden on the traditional public school because they have such a high percentage of tier two and tier three students. When such a limited pool of resources is available to Pennsylvania's most vulnerable population, disabled children, I struggle to understand why legislators give some of the funds to those who don't qualify for them per state regulations. Furthermore, charter schools do not have to tell us what they do with the money, not even the excess money. A 2014 PASBO study revealed that statewide, Charter schools received $356 million to provide special education, but only spent $150 million educating students with IEPs. Where did that $200 million go? Why are charters allowed to spend millions on advertising when so many disabled children are not having their needs met? Why is it accepted and even encouraged by some members of the Pennsylvania legislature that charters will receive this money while so many children and families are struggling. This is just one small area of charter reform that needs to be addressed. The charter schools should adhere to the funding formula, just like the public schools. There also needs to be more accountability to the funding they receive. Chapter 14 revisions should also include holding charters accountable to the same physical plant regulations that traditional publics are held to. In many cases, the lack of facility changes and upgrades leads to children with disabilities being excluded from that school. Why are traditional publics held accountable to over 38 pages of building regulations in Chapter 14, and charter schools get one paragraph? Lottery admission protocols need to be transparent. Maybe it's bad luck or a large statewide coincidence, but disabled children who are in tier two and above rarely win when it comes to charter lottery admissions. When a student returns to their home district from a charter school, many times they require months and even years of remediation. There needs to be some type of reimbursement system set up so that the public schools do not have to spend their already limited funds to remediate a former charter student. It's not fair that the traditional public loses money once when the child is at the charter school and then again when they return because of the remediation costs. After all, we were promised a lot by charters and two, days, two decades later, they have failed to deliver. Governor Ridge has been quoted as saying that charters are an option to provide a better education and a better education environment for the child. Apparently, Governor Ridge and I have different definitions of the word better. Because in almost all achievement measures, charters are barely holding their own statistically with the neighborhood publics and in many cases totally missing the mark. We were promised that the charters were going to be incubators of innovation, and instead I'm seeing things like children being given speech evaluations over the phone and physical therapy exercises done over Skype. I want to wrap up by saying my criticism of charters and how they handle special education and their funding in no way should be construed that I think that our public schools are excelling at this task, but that's another hearing for another day. The special education funding formula is a start, but it's been a painfully slow start. Overall, we need to not just follow the formula, but there needs to be more funding in that funding stream. However, we can begin to allocate funds to the kids who need them most by gathering up what is falling through giant loopholes. It was a tremendous opportunity missed back when the formula was implemented, but that doesn't mean we cannot start doing the right thing going forward. Charter schools are not taking in their fair share of IEP students and certainly not their fair share of students beyond tier one. 
If they are not willing to open their doors to and educate all of Pennsylvania's children, then they should not be funded as if they are. And that's it. That was my testimony. So yes, it takes some time. It takes some practice. It takes some research because you want to have statistics and facts to back up what you're saying. But, um, you know, any parent can do this, join the email and list serves on your state legislature's website. So you can hear about things like this and, um, start to make your voices heard. Okay. And once again, as, as always happens when I, when I yell from the rooftops about the need for charter reform, um, I am not trying to close the charters, but it's not fair. It is not fair the way it is set up right now. I don't want to hear that they don't receive the same amount of funding because you can't tell me that educating a child in a school building is the same cost as educating a kid in a cyber charter who's sitting at home on a laptop. It doesn't cost the same. Don't try to tell me that it does. And yet they're receiving the same amount of funding. Okay. And they go, oh, but the brick and mortars, they don't receive as much funding. Um, yep. You're right. You know why? Because they're not allowed to double dip on the federal funding. They receive the federal funding directly from the federal government. So your neighborhood public school takes that piece out of what they're paying. Okay. And there's a lot of other things like that, like transportation. If your public school transports your child to the charter school, why should the charter school then also get transportation money? Okay. These are just some myths that need to be debunked. There's reforms that are needed. At least in Pennsylvania, the charter schools are not measuring up academically and they need to be held accountable to that. We can't continue to throw good money after bad. Not trying to close the charters, not trying to take away you know, what you're happy with. And I wish, I, I generally, I genuinely wish that the, um, the folks who are involved in charter lobbying would start to be truthful so that we can start to have meaningful discussions about this and stop scaring their parents into things like, oh, they want to close the charters. They want to close the charters. Um, we don't, we just want you to take in all the disabled kids, not just the speech and language impairments, which is what you're doing. That's what's happening right now. Okay. All right. Rant over. Um, if you didn't enjoy that, I'm sorry. I am able to tell on my stats behind the scenes if you like certain podcasts or not. And um, if you don't, I won't do them in the future. But I do have some interviews set up. So hopefully you will hear some of those in the coming weeks. In the meantime, if you would like to be on the podcast, just contact me and we'll get something set up. Other than that, once again, thank you for tuning in. Visit adayinourshoes.com if you have any other IEP questions and have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Don't IEP Alone podcast. No parent should have to IEP alone. And with A Day in Our Shoes, you don't have to. For more IEP assistance and letter templates, visit adayinourshoes.com. For ongoing assistance and support, follow our Facebook page and group.
Wait. 